Hi, this is Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried, the podcast where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. Welcome to the wrap-up episode for the series on dating. Dating came up in many of the episodes, but these three felt most suited to a series specific to dating. So definitely give them a listen if you haven't already. That's episodes six, seven, and eight. So what are you in for today? You'll hear a relatable story about a swing and a miss moment I had with a crush, insights from the three interviews, and how all of this helps you in your dating life. You'll get a couple of pro tips from me, a person who has lived through and learned from unbearably awkward moments, and you'll get some tips on how to take the pressure off and have grace for yourself in the wild west that is dating. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end for info on how to get your hands on the Overthinker's Guide to Dating, which is a reflection guide I designed to help you discern what you're looking for and what might be holding you back in dating. If y'all have been around the blog or this podcast for a hot minute, you might know that I am on two dating apps. But before I was on the apps, I was in the weird world of having a crush and not knowing what to do about it. Perhaps some of you were gifted with the social skill known as flirting. When the charisma fairy was sprinkling that down the line, she seems to have skipped me. Let's take it back to college spring semester of my freshman year, I broke up with my boyfriend of two and a half years. Early fall of my sophomore year, I learned that he was officially dating someone else. This gutted me and left me more than a little gun shy. Yes, I was sad about the rejection and felt replaced by a new, improved, more Southern Baptist model. But The thing that cast a ripple effect over my dating life for years to come was how completely wrong I had been. I thought that come hell or high water, he and I were destined to be together forever and ever. I'm in. Twasn't the case. Spring of my sophomore year, I had developed what one might call a crush on this guy. We'll call him Jeremy. He and I had conversed all of once, and I was interested in him. I was torn between my fear of making another mistake and my attraction to Jeremy. I decided that it couldn't hurt to get to know him. I knew that Jeremy frequented parties thrown by these four dudes that lived in a house off campus. And so I figured that was my best chance of winning Jeremy over in this fun, casual atmosphere at one of these gatherings. Jeremy was that guy. You know the one, the attractive, nice Christian guy who exudes confidence and charisma. His personal resume was enough to make any young Christian female swoon. Learning from my mistake with my ex, I could not admit I had a crush on Jeremy to another living soul. So, I told my friends that I felt like it would be a good idea to make some guy friends, and Jeremy just happened to be one of those dudes. This wasn't entirely untrue, but it was also not what one might call the driving motivation for getting to know Jeremy. I talked one of my roommates into going to this party with me. These parties were legendary in the small Christian subculture at my college. Everyone went. There was dancing and shenanigans. 
but no alcohol. It was good, clean fun, as boomers like to call it. I strode in with my roommate and my carefully crafted, I don't care, but in like a fun way, attitude. Though I immediately noticed Jeremy, I did not go over and speak to him. My roommate and I meandered throughout the party for the better part of an hour. I introduced her to the people I knew, and we danced for a bit. Though I was acutely aware of where Jeremy was at almost any given minute, I wanted my approach to be organic, you know, a natural moment where we happened to catch each other's eye. Then I'd wave and sidle over there with a casual, oh, hey, Jeremy, I didn't know you were here. How's it going? Around 11 p.m., my roommate and I decided it was time to leave and go to sleep. All this time, I had played hard to get, in the sense of pretending like I had everything better to do than acknowledge Jeremy's existence. This strategy was so effective that Jeremy seemed to have no idea I was there. He was sitting on the couch conversing with the girl he came to the party with. I was torn between wanting to talk to him and wanting to bury myself in a cauldron of mac and cheese and never come out. But I knew that if I left without at least making an attempt— I would feel like I'd failed in my mission at that party. In a panicked moment, as my roommate and I were about to walk out the front door, I turned around, stared at Jeremy until I caught his eye, waved, then all but sprinted out the door. Nailed it. I loved talking to Mark, Sheila, and Ginny about their various dating and crushing experiences. Hearing them describe the uncertainty and confusion and embarrassment, but also the growth and hope and grace they felt was super relatable. Mark talked about the confusion he felt in the aftermath of a relationship he thought should have worked. And he talked about dating in community with Grace. Sheila talked about her fear of embarrassment and how that affected her view of dating, herself, and God. Jenny described her longing for relationship and how she sought to take matters into her own hands to fill that need. She talked about how God is renewing her view of herself and has given her a great community of support and love. Did you relate to their stories too? Maybe like Mark, there's that one relationship you can't seem to stop wondering what went wrong in. Maybe you also feel that relationships are hard for you. Maybe like Jenny, all the rejection has been too much and you've hardened and numbed yourself. Perhaps like Sheila, You're worried that God wants to humiliate you in your relationships in order to teach you some sort of lesson. There aren't unknowns in any kind of relationship, but dating seems to present us with a higher than average number of variables to consider. It can be frustrating and scary and overwhelming. Maybe you've sunk into apathy, or you're overwhelmed by what you seem to have to figure out on your own. Maybe you're starting to wonder, isn't this supposed to be fun? Surely, there must be a right and proper way to date as a Christian. And yet, if you ask your friends or pastor about it, the answers seem to contradict each other. When you're ready, the right person will come along, but don't be complacent. Put yourself out there. Focus on you, but also don't be self-absorbed. Don't settle for less than God's best, but also don't be picky. It can be difficult to weed through the generic advice. I found myself wondering, is there a formula for success here? 
And what does success in dating even mean? Marriage? Defining what you're looking for and what you definitely aren't? Not dying? General growth? With all the ambiguity, we can react in a couple different ways. If you're like me, it can be scary, so you look for a foolproof strategy that will ensure you remain in control and don't look like an idiot in the process. Perhaps for you, you shut down and numb yourself in the face of uncertainty. One thing that stuck with me from Sheila's interview was the question her priest asked her when she described her fear of praying for humility. He asked, What do you think will happen? This is a question my therapist has asked me when I present him with a situation like the one with Jeremy. I was so afraid of messing up or saying the wrong thing or making myself look dumb that I couldn't do anything. I was paralyzed. And so in asking the question, what do you think will happen? We work through the possibilities and we learn what exactly we're afraid of. That gives us information about how to move forward. As a problem solver, I like to go into every situation with a clearly defined plan of action, having considered all the contingencies. But when you're getting to know someone, going in with too many other motives and expectations and pressures can be more paralyzing than helpful. As dating as we know it did not exist in biblical times, it can be a challenge to glean any concrete dating advice from its pages. There are plenty of thoughts about relating to one another as brothers and sisters, as spouses, as neighbors, as friends, and even as enemies. The church over the years has offered its share of advice, from kissing, dating, goodbye, to courting, and it's often fallen short. So, what are we to do when faced with this specific problem and don't really know where to turn for answers? The first thing I want you to do is take 10 seconds to just breathe. You might feel like you've been left on your own to figure this out, but know that at the very least, I'm here with you. And more importantly, God sees you and is with you. You have been making decisions and building a life and learning how to adult. You've been paying bills and moving and making friends. You've gone to churches where you felt utterly invisible and alien. You've learned to do the mental acrobatics that are necessary to take an illustration of marriage or parenthood used to describe God's love and make it applicable to your life. You've grieved and learned and rejoiced. You've questioned and wrestled and laughed. You've failed and gotten back up and tried again. You've been wounded by people with the best of intentions, people who were meant to care for you, and you're walking through the pain and the healing. You've figured stuff out, and you've done it all without the consistent emotional support of a romantic partner. You've had the Holy Spirit in you guiding you, and maybe some good friends and mentors around you. That is hard, and I am so proud of you. For me, learning discernment started with prayerfully getting honest about what was going on with weird situations like the one with Jeremy. It took time and prayer and opening myself up to potentially awkward conversations with friends and mentors. But I'm slowly learning that it's okay to be uncomfortable. I'm learning about my own unhealthy habits that set me up for anxiety and defeatism. 
For a long time, I was so closed off and resigned myself to a shrugging, the world may never know, there must be something wrong with me attitude. It felt like so much was out of my control, particularly in regards to who I found myself drawn to. To be sure, there are always a ton of things that are not in our control. But when I started asking myself hard questions about my motivations and my fears, it turns out there were some things that could be addressed. I love what Sheila said about her situation with her crush who left her in that parking lot, Easter Lily in hand. She said that she was entirely relying on him to read her mind, and she was imagining that he felt the same way and looking around for all these little signs. But as long as she was too worried about being humiliated to say anything, she would never know. My struggle was similar with Jeremy. Adding on the pressure I felt to win him over in one conversation at this one party. But regardless of what we should have done, we now have the gift of hindsight, which allows us to understand what happened. It gives us information that can help us make healthier choices in the future. And while the story with Jeremy and other dudes I've crushed on makes me cringe, I'm also able to look back and laugh. Past Marabs was just doing what she knew at the time. Current Marabs? Well, I have the opportunity to learn from past Marabs and from the smart friends and mentors in my life. Building support systems provides us with the strength, courage, and grounding we need to take risks in our relationships. Perhaps your married friends have no concept of what it is to date in the current era, but they can help remind you of your inherent worth and value. They can build you up and challenge you. Though, perhaps they need a little direction as to how they can best support you through this. Having a solid group of single friends is invaluable. Whether a date or a DTR conversation goes ideally or is a total train wreck, they've all been there and have come out the other side. They have hard-won wisdom from their own experiences, and they know you. Friends in any life stage can help keep you accountable to your goals and values. They can help you see areas of growth and affirm where you can trust the instinct for discernment you've been working on. They can pray with and for you, and of course, you can do the same for them in return. This was one of my favorite things about talking to Jenny, hearing about the friends and the support systems she's worked to cultivate here in the city. They help her live what she professes and lovingly help her see where her actions and her words aren't lining up. A huge part of building this type of community is knowing what you need and asking for it. But it also requires buy-in and commitment from you. In order to know what you need and want in dating or in a partner, it's important to take the time to reflect and pray. If marriage is something you want, ask God to help you see unhealthy patterns that might be sabotaging your dating life. Think about someone you know who might be interested in having more focused conversations about dating. If there's someone you'd like to get to know better in a romantic-like fashion, how can you focus your energy on building a foundation with that person, as opposed to trying to win them over in one perfectly crafted conversation. 
Pray that God will help you keep perspective and take pressure off so that you can just get to know them as a person rather than a fantasy to win over or impress. Instead of obsessing over a formula or a hack, focus on what you can control. Cultivate practices for communication, community, reflection, and prayer. And trust that there is grace sufficient for you in this. It's hard, and there's no shame in feeling that difficulty. But don't get so hung up on trying to figure out how to avoid discomfort that you never act. Start small. Build the foundation. Gather information. Seek wisdom from people who know you and have your well-being in mind. And see what happens. Maybe it pans out, maybe it doesn't. Either way, you're still you, and God is still God. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in introspecting about all this but need a little bit of direction, I've created a guide to help you. It's called The Overthinker's Guide to Dating. In this guide, I walk you through questions and prayers to help you find clarity in what you want and help you figure out what's holding you back. And I'll point you to resources I love on building healthy relationships. To get this guide, head over to my website and subscribe to my newsletter by clicking on the Join the Conversation tab. Instructions on how to get your guide will come right to your inbox. This will also sign you up for my fortnightly email newsletter. Every other Wednesday, I send out an exclusive message to my people. It includes a brief story to help you stop and reflect so that you can engage more thoughtfully and intentionally in your life, a conversation starter to help deepen your relationships, updates on all things unsuitable, and a small challenge to help increase your mental bandwidth. That's a wrap on this series. Check back next week for the first interview in the brand new series, which is on work. If you're interested in supporting the show, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review. Apple Podcast is the best place for you to do that if you're able, but a follow on Spotify also goes a long way. Thoughts, comments, questions? There are a couple of ways you can get up with me. Head over to my website and click on contact me and drop me a line or follow me on Instagram at maryb.saferit and slide into my DMs. Theme music is by Chad Rollinson and sound editing by Andrew Kim. Unsuitable with Mary B. Saferit is copyright Mary B. Saferit LLC 2019. All rights reserved.